0: All right, well, let's finish it.
1: Welcome to the Honor Roll Podcast, the podcast that helps you level up your role-playing game. Tabletop, LARP, mush, and
2: everything in between.
0: We're not better gamers than you, we just all have different experiences to share. And maybe we can help
1: you have more fun at your role-playing game. Because the only way to win a role-playing game is to have fun. fun. Hmm. I'm Ryan, I'm their curmudgeon, and joining me as always is Carrie, the legend. Yay! And Jason, the favorite. We just discovered kayaking. What?! Yeah!
0: Congratulations.
1: You're welcome. Wow. And and what did you think?
0: Oh, I like it. Of course. All
1: right. Yeah. Whatever floats your boat.
2: Yeah. uh, Mm -hmm. I knew. I I knew that was going to come. Yeah. Yeah, It it happens. There's no way that wasn't going to happen. It
1: happens. All right. Well, before we get into anything, let's uh, go ahead and take a second to uh, thank all of our patrons. We have a Patreon at patreon.com slash honor roll podcast where you can go and pledge a little bit of money to help uh, pay for the bills and keep the lights on on this podcast.
0: I prefer both of those things. Yeah,
1: and not only that, uh, you get free stuff. You get postcards, which most uh, you've probably seen a lot of our, our patrons have received mm-hmm. their uh, season three postcard this past week. Uh, but you can also get other things. You can get, get copies of my book. You can get prints of Carrie's art, all sorts of cool mm-hmm. things. Uh, and also you can get a shout out right here on the show. Let's do shout outs right, right. here on the so show. The
0: shout outs are for our wizard level. Backers and above who we got. All right. We've got Josh Heath with the werewolf, the podcast. Oh, it's an okay podcast. <laughs>
1: I, you know, I never mind So much. I, I don't, here's the thing about werewolf, the podcast. Uh, I'm just not a fan of the main host, but the co-host's pretty okay. She likes art. I do like art. (laughs) I'm
2: always confused about which one is the main and which one isn't.
1: I like mechanics, but she likes art. Wow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who else? Oh, there's Joel Eastland, who I haven't seen anything from him on Facebook lately. I hope he's doing okay. Mm.
2: And Ryan
1: Martin, Martin, of
0: course. Ryan Martin is pretty awesome. Yes, he is. Yes. Then we've got Drew Stevens, who did not get his postcard. His
1: his address was wrong.
0: And so it came back to us, so we're resending it out now, Drew. Sorry. He he
1: knows. I let him know.
0: Okay, good, good, good. Yeah.
1: Joe Hines is Lost Colonies. Yes, the Lost Colonies LARP. The LARP about colonies that have been misplaced.
0: (laughs) They've misplaced. Oh, no. All right, we've got Cameron Pruitt, my favorite.
2: Hey. Hey. (laughs) What about Noah Coltrip?
1: I'm glad you asked. This week, Noah Coltrip is in West Point, Virginia. He's examining a beautiful four-bedroom, two-and-a-half-bath house. This beautiful house is on a sidewalk, family-friendly neighborhood. The property features large bedrooms, a living room that opens to a balcony on the second floor, a gas fireplace, front and back covered porch privacy-fenced-in backyard, an irrigation system, and a storage building with electricity. There's also an attached two-car garage. The master bedroom features two large closets and a spacious bathroom with a jetted tub. What? Also, congratulations to uh, Noah Coltrip,
2: who just bought a house.
0: Oh, yay! I <laughs> <laughs> was so confused. I,
2: have a question about, I have a question about jetted tubs. Are they like Rocket propelled?
1: I don't know. It's a Benny in the jetted tubs. Oh,
2: <laughs> that's... no. I don't know.
1: Anyway. All right, who else
0: do we
2: have, Carrie?
0: <laughs> We've got Ryan Galeato. With... With Byways LARP. That's right. All right. Yeah. So I remembered. Yeah. It took me a second, but I remembered.
2: And Salim Halimbi. Oh, no. Oh. You
0: almost had it.
2: We could try... I almost had it. We could try I'm again. So sorry. Oh, who else do we have, Carrie? Wait, do it again. Nope, I'm
0: good. Salim Halabi. There we go. We were really close on I that. Salim, know. I'm sorry. And finally, oh. there our last patron. Yes, is the patron saint of this podcast. Oh, Sarah. Rah, 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 rah.
1: Very good. Well, if you would like a shout out on this show, we'd love to give you one, unless you have a hard to pronounce name.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe I'm
1: just bad at pronouncing. We yeah. suck. <laughs> anyway, if you'd like a shout out, we'd love to give you one. And all you have to do is go to patreon.com slash honor roll podcast and become a patron. Get free stuff. Get a shout out. And uh, we'll do awesome stuff mm-hmm. together. So there you go. All right. When last we left our intrepid adventurers, we were on this Zoom call recording a podcast. Yeah. And here we are again today. So what have you been up to, Carrie?
0: My life is... Is just drawing frogs. Oh, yeah? Oh, my gosh. So many frogs. I'm doing the illustrations for a children's book about a a frog who's learning how to swim. And it's super cute, but frogs have weird anatomy, and they have dead eyes, and it's really kind of starting to get to me now
1: you said the same exact thing about horses and maybe, so i'm yeah i'm starting to suspect that maybe just uh everything you draw has a weird anatomy and dead eyes could the problem be you i'm just it's just a question i like mechanics you like art <laughs> oh my gosh.
2: what have you been up to jason uh well like i said i discovered kayaking uh, a friend of mine loaned me her two kayaks, and uh, so after piddling around for three or four days and normal stuff, we decided to make a uh, like a thirty-mile journey down the Tennessee River, starting in Ross's Landing and coming out around Nickajack. It did not go well. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, you're still out there somewhere. <laughs> Uh, that was a, uh, there was a little bit of a, there was a few close calls like that. Yeah. Uh, the first thing that happened is I got, uh, so I need to, I need to have my gallbladder removed. And it's something I've had to put off several times due to uh, work stuff and family stuff and just life problems. Right. Right. And uh, if you've ever had a gallbladder issue, you'll, you'll know that if you eat a really fatty dinner. Right. Uh, the next day you uh, feel just bad all day. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, of course, before going out on the river for uh, an eight-hour paddling expedition, I ate a really fatty meal the night before uh, because I don't think about things like my health enough. (laughs) And uh, after the first hour, I was mildly nauseated for the rest of the day. Oh, no. Yeah, which got better as I had to uh, hide and find places to poop uh, oh, no. Well, this is the other problem with having gallbladder issues. Uh, uh, and we also had a, a cooler that we were pulling behind us and a little inflatable raft that's for carrying a cooler behind you. And uh, after about 20 minutes, basically as soon as we left the area where we were going to start and the, the, the person who dropped us off, the cooler float uh, started deflating. Oh no. So we had to, you know, bundle it up and stow it and then distribute all the food and water among uh, the kayaks. And uh, so it made everything a little bit harder. And then one of them started, well, actually, both of them um, started leaking for some reason. It's, I don't really understand what was, it, it's one of those sit on top kind that a lot of people use for fishing. Right. And um, uh, I don't I don't know what we did wrong, but both of them took water on. So every hour or so, we would have to drain them. So we made it about 10 miles, but we had a really good time. It was a, <laughs> it was a lot of fun.
1: Oh, yeah. this, this is why I don't do nature stuff.
0: Then what did then, you do,
1: Ryan? What have you been up to? Oh, well, you know, this past week, uh, we so my boss has, uh, uh, is on leave right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, and I work in healthcare, so we're still dealing with the pandemic stuff. Yeah, And a lot of that for my job involves b- being on call, uh, to do communications work. Uh, we've actually got a cell phone now that there are a few of us that are passing between us, uh, at different times. So that's been a lot of, just a lot mm-hmm. of my my time but this week I think officially all of the kinks have been working out and this sounds like terrible to say this but the good th- the good side of all of the protests that are going on is that it's taken the news off of the pandemic
0: so it's giving you a little so, bit of chance to catch up yeah and yeah.
1: and you know you know there's, there's bigger there's, there's other there's bigger things happening yeah. yeah so and let me just say I love all of this bigger stuff that's happening. Like the the changes that are actually occurring this time, there they're, there's still so much to do and so far to go. But any but, movement forward
0: feels like progress. Well,
1: for the first time, it feels like for the first time ever, we're seeing we're seeing change. Yeah. And and I love that. So, um, yeah. So anyway, that's what I've been up to. All right. All right. Well, let's go to combat rounds. <laughs> Welcome to Combat Rounds.
0: Woo-hoo!
1: Today we are joined by Drew Meyer. Welcome to the show, Drew. Well, thank, thank you for having me. I, I like the way it sounded very accusatory. Like, welcome to the show, Drew. What are you supposed done? To be wondering why we called you here? <laughs> you may have noticed the pink slip in your mailbox. Oh my god. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs>
0: Oh my god! This is to
1: make sure you have plenty of time for podcasting. <laughs> <needs> Please, gainful employment.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, so Drew is joining us, and the reason Drew is joining us is because he uh, had the unique experience of being a librarian who, uh, like at a public library, who ran yeah Dungeons and Dragons, and, and was it just Dungeons and Dragons, or was it other games as well?
3: Other games as well. Yeah, I've run. Remember, four or five and the the last library was at we we mean the teens, we put together our own game. We created our own game using um kind of a, a twist on the lasers and feelings uh, mechanics. And nice. uh, yeah, I just let them go wild and we created a hyperdimensional dimensional high school drama game that they really enjoyed.
1: Very cool. So you ran you basically ran role playing games at the library for, for kids all the time. What was what was the age
3: group? Yeah. Uh the youngest group I had, um, I had a group of seven to ten year olds come in uh for our youth role playing. I've done a couple of middle school um and those were more like eleven to thirteen. And then my teens were thirteen to eighteen, basically. I did some adult gaming as well. So that's a, like porn? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs>
0: whoa i mean to be fair it was a a
3: real
1: kind of a deep purple set you know (laughs) Uh. so you ran i mean a huge that's a huge age spread yes and so it is yeah obviously we're talking today our topic is going to be running games for for kids Mm -hmm. uh and and teenagers because i don't i think that they would get mad if we called them kids yeah, so, but those are Yeah, all kids. I think it's safe to say. Yeah. So are there any sort of uh what's kind of a a unifying factor that you have found amongst running a role-playing game for for minors of any age? Is there anything that like struck you uh, a thing that you you encounter? <laughs> the energy level. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah the
3: energy level but also just the the sheer amount of self-checking that i need to do which i don't normally have to do with teenagers um, what, what do you mean by because that because i have to make sh- just making sure that uh i'm giving them um age-appropriate content not in a like lascivious sort of sense but like you know when you're dealing with really younger kids you have to keep it like g like a saturday morning cartoon sort of a sense because you know you don't want them we don't need to turn them into murder hobos right off the bat right like you know they've got plenty of time to to get there right
0: they need that's the type of thing you need to become on your own yeah that's pathfinder material (laughs)
3: yeah yeah, you know choose your path the all path leads to murder hobo but you know you don't have to get them in the express lane right off the bat
1: right so the energy so the amount of energy that they have and then keeping yourself g-rated like i can imagine that that's actually really difficult the g-rated thing uh because it's so easy for us to make inappropriate jokes about stuff as adults just as we're playing when something funny happens you know you can (laughs) can be like yeah well and i think
2: ryan says that because he got in trouble recently for doing it
1: (laughs) i don't know that that's true
0: i don't know that it's not
3: (laughs) (laughs) and the other thing too is it's not so much things that i would say but the content I was throwing at them. So, um, one of the trickier things when you're running for younger gamers is even though they want to play it like a video game, if you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, you're talking about a game that is essentially, um, math based racism, right? So, um, it's a game that rewards you to kill, treat encounters through violence more so than anything else. Um, because the game is designed for you to roll stats and try to overcome opponents. Uh, so what I had to do was figure out ways that they could still feel a sense of adventure, still feel a sense of risk, but weren't actually just killing everything they came across. Uh, which means that the things that they had, to they, they were going up against, weren't always going
2: to be the living creatures that, uh, that they could murder. Can you give us an example encounter that you've run that uh, adults are probably just a role initiative, but uh, you ran it differently for the kids?
3: Yeah. um, All right, so I ran a variation at one point in time on the wild sheep chase. Have you played that one? I have not. It's a really excellent uh, one-shot adventure. The premise is that the party is um, approached by a sheep, who has a scroll in its mouth. When you read the scroll, everyone gains the ability to speak with animals. You find out the sheep is actually a wizard and that his wand of true transmogrification uh, has gone berserk um, at the hands of one of his students. And, and the sheep asks for the party's help. So I thought, well, that's gonna be really cool because the kids at the library especially are going to be readers. They were gonna like something like Harry Potter. So I tweaked that adventure to make it that there wasn't any kind of... Uh, duplicitness on anyone else's part like there wasn't a bad guy it's just that the wizard was kind of befuddled and sat down on his wand and the wand went berserk and so when they go into his house uh they had to deal with animated chandeliers and a bed that turned into a dragon and a couple of (laughs) other fun stuff Uh, and they they figured out through magic ways of of fixing the wand rather than just fighting everything and trashing it but even if they had fought it they weren't killing anything, right? It was just magically animated stuff, a la Sorcerer's Apprentice kind of stuff. So, like that, I feel like was was an appropriate scenario, um, kind of on all fronts, assuming that the parents didn't have a problem with magic being involved in the game. But we, we had that conversation with the parents beforehand. I want to play uh, that a game. Really
2: clever way uh, of turning that adventure around. I like that a lot. Yeah. No, oh, thank you.
3: Uh, um, Giant plants is another really good one too, um, because there's ways of avoiding the plants, but you, you can't communicate with them. Um, so that's, that's tricky. Uh, they've gone up against the undead, which, you know, it's something that's already dead. Uh, they've, I've given a couple of adventures for them where they've run away instead of, uh, out and out fought stuff. That's, that's worked out as well. So.
1: That's funny. I can't imagine a group of adult gamers running away from something unless they were all down to one hit point. Yeah. <laughs> right.
3: Well, I mean, yeah, I'm really envious of young gamers who are coming into the the hobby now with this kind of uh, glut of games that, that really value role playing and storytelling over just the mathematics and the dice rolling and and combat Yeah, Uh, because they're going into it and learning that this kind of, this variety of encounters can occur. Whereas, I mean, let's face it, I've been doing this for 35 years. It, up until about 10 years ago, it was you killed stuff. I mean, like everything was you killed stuff, even storytelling. Like, I don't know how many Vampire the Masquerade games just eventually came to I grab a machine gun and start shooting stuff. I mean, that's it's not what the game was designed for, but it's kind of how we were programmed from the
1: get go. Yeah, it's so. the it's the, the collaborative native collaborative immigrant, mm-hmm. you know, conversation that I, I'm fascinated by, you know, the, the way collaborative storytelling has changed role playing games. Um, You know, and and those of us who didn't learn in that, you know, in in that style of play, like we're we're collaborative immigrants and we're having to learn to to exist in this world where like we're telling a story together as opposed to fighting the bad guys, the GM's throwing at us.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've been a professional. Uh, GM for a couple of years now and it it always really impresses me. A a lot of my clients have been families who want to learn how to play role-playing games with their kids Uh, and I've been impressed by the number of families who really use role-playing as a role-playing experience and just equal amount of families who are like you know what? We really don't want riddles or puzzles or political encounters or mysteries. We just want to Kill really big monsters as a family, and right. I, I've had them actually tell me this. I'm like, okay, cool. You find just the want dragon me to and kill it. Build you encounters. It. The
1: only way to win is to have fun, and everybody's idea of fun is not the same. Right. Correct. Right. Yeah, that's awesome. So all of us have run for kids. One of the things that I have found that is so exciting about running for kids is the way that they are are fearless in the stories that they decide to tell you. Um, mm. They uh, they have not learned. To disagree with those at the table, like, yes, and is part of their imaginative structure. Yes. And so they just sit down at the table and they're just like, well, oh, well, my, my, I remember my character remembers this one time when this thing happened with your character. Don't you remember, Carrie? (laughs) Uh, yeah. (laughs) You know, and they just assume that you're going to just, you know, improv with them like a professional. And, And it's sad that at some point we lose that. Um, but it's so amazing to to role play with their their fearness fearlessness.
3: Yeah, no, great, and it really reminds you that as a a game master, your job is to yes and your players who are or you could clearly they're having fun um, and not to go. Well, actually, Touches and Dragons doesn't work that way, uh, which is sadly it, it does it does uh, it, that has cropped up a lot, which is one of the reasons why. Uh, the teens I was working with, the, the last group of teens I was working with before kind of everything shut down, uh, we created our own system because they they wanted to, they just wanted to run wild uh, in the best possible, most creative way, and D and D just doesn't support that kind of role play. Uh, so yeah, yeah, we 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 create our own stuff, and I still consider them you know kids in that sense, but kids are professionals at make believe, right.
1: Absolutely. Well, we think of their the only reason we think of teenagers as kids is because we're all like, you know, forty or better. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> old.
0: <laughs> right.
1: They're it's only kids. people in their twenties, adults. Yeah, they're only kids because we're old. I know. <laughs> they're all babies. Yeah. Yeah. So you you have also mentioned here in this conversation, you are you do also professionally GM. So you, uh, um sell yourself out
0: <laughs> oh my gosh
1: it's, no but you know but here's the thing you're you know you're
3: absolutely right yeah yeah, yeah no i'm a, i am i'm a whore
2: uh <laughs> i'm glad we got that in on our family episode. yeah
3: yeah,
0: yeah. yeah
1: so,
2: <laughs> but hey we all got to make a living yeah well you know what though
1: the the i bring it up because the the professional gm thing is a uh it is con- a controversial thing uh, I don't think it should be. I don't understand why it is, but, but it is a lot of people don't like that. But uh, in terms of uh, when people hire you, do you really look for clients that are, are focused on, on kids? Now it sounds really terrible. With-
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> just stop talking.
1: I, I I
3: look for, I mean, I, I would rather um, run games for kids than, than adults. Cause I've been, I've been running games for adults for 20 plus years or, or whatever uh since i guess i've been an adult um and i really enjoy seeing I, okay so here's what it is i really like setting the tone for first gaming experiences for these for these kids to show them that anything is possible that's a as opposed to kind of what i was shown which was like these are the rules and these are your limitations so this is you know this book tells you what you can't do and also tells you what you can do whereas what i want to do is i want to set them up like this is what's possible and i want them to be able to leave that table and get inspired to run their own games i mean it's it, it's i know i've done my job well where if they don't call me back because some member of the family has decided to take up the the mantle and become the game master
1: how do you feel about that responsibility? Because like, you're excited about it, but that is a huge responsibility. You know, we've talked about on the show before about the, if you're the very, very first game that someone has ever played in, you know, you are responsible essentially for whether they or not they ever play a game again.
3: Yeah. Yeah. No, um, but I, I may take that responsibility gladly for years I wasn't very satisfied with the games that I was playing. And I realized what essentially was, was I was a frustrated writer who was trying to get my players to live out my stories. And <laughs> when they deviated from my stories, I'd worked so hard on crafting every character's name and maps and everything. I got
1: frustrated. It's that collaborative whatever. collaborative immigrant. You know, it's that, that training yeah. to, to not collaborate. You are the storyteller.
3: Yeah. And, and, it, you know, it, I started listening to podcasts, actual play podcasts have only been around for about 10 years. And I started listening to what makes good podcasting audio, you know, especially comedians who are doing, it. if you listen to Dan Harmon, Harmon town, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, they, they had this amazing game master Spencer Crittenden and, and they would, you know, it was essentially an improv show where it's like, Hey, Spencer, I want to do this. All right. You do that. Cool. And I was like, wait, it's that easy. Is that how much fun these people are having? No one's like, well, actually that's not how the game works. There's no like, you know, using your finger to push up your glasses and uh, uh, pointing to page 37 of the rule book, you know, like, so, uh, I started listening to that and seeing like, how can I make gaming more like improv, uh, and that was really kind of a teachable moment for me. And that's when it really, I really decided that, that there was more to this gaming experience that, that people could benefit from it. It wasn't just a game, it wasn't just a hobby, it wasn't just something I did in a basement, right? Like, this was a thing that that we, we could use to tell stories and, and unite as storytellers. And uh, really got me excited about burying my nose in these in these all these games and it let me explore outside of like say the 10 role playing games I had been playing previous up to, to that point.
1: What is your what's your favorite thing to play with kids? I
3: mean, I'm mostly everyone wants to play Dungeons and Dragons. Sure. That's that's the go-to. Yeah. So, I just realized that I never sent you my my kids version of my my Dungeons and Dragons gaming sheet, <laughs> but uh what I did was rather I wasn't expecting any you know, six to 10 year olds to have the player's handbook in front of them. So what I essentially did was I distilled the simplest, most basic aspects of what made D and D D and D I made a sheet. The sheet was color and symbol coded. So if they wanted to attack, there was a red sword next to those numbers. If they wanted to defend themselves, it was a blue shield. If they wanted to know how, who went in the initiative, there was a yellow lightning bolt with the number inside of it. So rather than say, find your initiative on your sheet, because these some of these kids are are struggling a little bit with their reading, um, but you tell them to look for the lightning bolt, find that number, roll that D20, and I would you know, print out and laminate an image of what all the dice were. So they they could go, D20 would be, if I say D20, just look at the picture on your, your little handout, find that, roll it, add the number that's in the lightning bolt. That's your initiative, cool. Write that down on a sticky note, put it on the board, we know who's in order, like that kind of thing. So I I simplified it to make it, um, you still wanna have some semblance of the rules so that when they get a little older and they start to experiment with like a basic beginning set, they can still go, I remember this from when we played, but I didn't want them to come at this and just go, that's a lot of reading. That's a lot of numbers. I didn't want them to feel overwhelmed. I just wanted them to play, you know, yeah.
1: you, you created an age appropriate sheet and that's amazing. Is yeah. that, is that something, would you mind sharing with that with us and we can share it with our listeners when we put the episode? hundred oh, percent. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I will send it to you afterwards. Awesome. So uh,
1: that'd be great. Cause I, you know, we, a lot of, a lot of gamers are now, you know, the first generation of Dungeons and Dragons people have kids and their kids are having kids and, you know, so, so it's really kind of a, a strangely timely kind of conversation to be having, you know, yeah. our, our, my daughter is about to be 11 and she's starting to, to play Dungeons and Dragons and things. And, and it's, it's super fascinating to watch, you know, her get excited about doing, doing the math and making the dice roll and, and those sorts mm-hmm. of things. Um, it's, it's, it's well, fun.
3: You actually asked me what my favorite game to play with kids was, and I, and I know that I play a lot of D D because that's what they ask for. But um, I mentioned it before. But Lasers and Feelings, it, you know, it's a one-page game. It's essentially a Star Trek uh, homage. But the idea that you can create only two stats, you roll a d6. It's high, low. Um, the, the number of dice you roll out of successes, certain number of successes mean you know you get a better result. That's really easy. Uh, if you if you can put the entire rules of a game on a single sheet of paper, they're going to learn it. You can just print up the entire rules, highlight the stuff that they need to know, and slide it over to them. They've got everything they need. Um, and so I've made I have thirteen godchildren, and I played uh, a game with my godkids fairly recently. And my goddaughter just just wanted to be a dragon. I was like, Well, Dungeons and Dragons doesn't allow you to be a dragon. You can be a dragon born. It's not really the same thing. She said, I want to be a dragon. And uh, I asked my godson what he wanted to be, and he wanted to be a character from uh, Minecraft. I'm like, all right, cool. Lasers and feelings. We just called it. I think we called it brains and brawn. And <laughs> I let them make whatever character they wanted. And they had like stats like dragon stuff. You know, do you have your dragon stuff? Cool. Roll in your. Oh, you got to make it above this number. You you do your dragon thing. And right. they just loved it. They they came up with so many unique ideas that that weren't limited by the rules of. The-
1: That's how we plan our podcast. We have a sheet and we we roll podcast stuff and it's high or low. Some weeks the episodes are good, some weeks. (laughs)
2: Uh, I I had a lot of luck running Dungeon World for uh, younger players. They were uh, like er, very early teens, 13 plus, you know. uh, It's it's very streamlined and uh, they have one cool power they got to figure out how to use usually. And, uh, because it allows so much creativity, like my son played a druid and essentially he could change into any animal he'd ever met. So he had a great time, like just changing into a bat or a lion or something, just, uh, because he enjoyed the aspect of getting to use this power,
3: right? Yeah.
2: Anything that gives him uh, access to creativity in a, to me, an interesting way with just enough structure to make it a, a game. You know what I mean? Well, I don't think I
3: ever enjoyed D&D as much as I did when I didn't understand how it worked. (laughs) Like, when me and my friends, like, we're just looking at this, it's like, I started playing when I was seven. Uh, I had all the rule books by the time I was 10, uh, and I didn't, I didn't, couldn't read it. They're so dense and hard to follow. So we, we glommed on to certain points, and we just rolled. I know for a fact I had a backgammon die in my dice bag that uh, we had magic <laughs> items that would use those, right? Like but like, <laughs> it was so much fun when that 64 would come up on a die and you know, yeah, you could
2: kill them in one hit if you roll a
3: 64. Right.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, uh, honestly I feel the same way about the the first time I played Vampire. Mm-hmm. It was a really great experience. I didn't really understand a lot of the stuff mechanically that was going on. I was just pretending to be this character for the night. It's
0: yeah, you know, you're you're uninhibited by the rules and the genre. The only game I've ever really ran for kids was when Dakota turned seven, I believe. She had told us she wanted us to run a LARP for her and her friends
1: for her birthday party.
0: For her birthday party. That's awesome. And so the uh, the invites went out, and they were scrolls asking everyone to join the adventure. And we, you know, told everyone to dress in adventure clothes and they all showed up and we had asked all of our LARP friends come in costume, you know? And so we had a, you know, like Jason came dressed as a pirate and we had, we had a whole gaggle of, um, bunny pirates. Guy, yeah. you know, they, they, <laughs> nice. they were just all, they all had bunny ears on for some reason and they were pirates. And, and we had, one of our
1: friends was, uh, was really into Boffer LARPs and he just had like barrels and barrels of foam swords. <laughs> and so like all of the kids got to be armed and they got to go and, and you know, they're, they're all seven. So they could, they could hit us. You right. Know? And they, so there yeah. were
0: like, all the adults were like, all right, how many hits do we take? And I'm like, when they stop having fun. Yeah. Like they're like like yeah, yeah like it, like there was no rules except for like keep the story going and moving, I guess. Right. You know, and the, that the idea that it's um it, it's about uh the rules aren't as important as the moments. As the moment.
3: Yeah. yeah. And you know, yeah, they're not going to they're not going to remember that time that they got the rule right, but they're going to mm-hmm. remember that time they hit you in the knee with the sword, right? right. Yeah, like or or like yeah, so
1: and even the plot was, was ridiculously oh simple. Gosh. The plot was just simply, uh, the birthday presents that you, cause what we did was the birthday presents when they all brought the birthday presents, uh, they put them all on a table. And at some point while they were all distracted doing an activity, we took all the presents and hid them. And so, so the, it was someone stole the presents. It was the evil bunny pirates and they had to go get right. them back. I mean, and that was it.
0: But And it was- they just followed clue after clue until they got to the bunny pirates. Yeah.
1: Yeah
3: but that's all you need for them.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Right. Like, you know, yeah. Simple. Yeah. I, I, keeping it simple is, is something you have to, we, you have to have to unlearn complexity of story and narrative. Right. It, like we're, we're not, we're not running. Well, we don't, you know, if we're running for kids, you're not running an HBO miniseries, right? Like you're just, <laughs> just, you're doing a 20 minute episode of, of uh, Steven universe, not to downplay Stephen universe. Wow, yeah. Right. Right.
1: Well, why don't we? Uh, Drew has, was kind enough to kind of come up with sort of his his Big Ten uh, suggestions for things to to do when you're running for kids, and so we thought maybe we would just just uh, talk about them and let him share. Give him the top what ten. he's learned in in all of his years of of running for running for the kids.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, this is one of those things where it really should have been. Like a top twenty, uh, so a lot of my my tens are, um, you, you can expound on them, you know. Right, they're like good <laughs> jumping off points, and most of them are are exactly how you would run games for for anybody. But you know, when you do it, kids, there's like one or two things you just have to kind of tweak.
1: I was gonna say, it seems like a lot of these rules are rules I would tell first time GMs, except I would there would be a perspective change. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like Mm -hmm. your your very first rule. So the very first rule that I would tell a a new GM would be, you know, uh, have a session zero in which you talk with your players about the things they want to see in the game and the things they don't want to see in the game. Mm -hmm. Right. And 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 why don't you tell us what what your rule one was? so my
3: rule one originally was have a zero session and talk to the kids. But then I realized that if you're dealing with kids, you're, you're going to deal with parents. You have to deal with parents. Like, you know, that's one of the things is where I'm, if I'm running a game, I am not a babysitter. I am a game master. And so if I worked at the library, if I had a, um, a group that hired me for birthday parties, a parent or parents always have to be involved. And I always have a zero session with the parents first, where it's like, i explain to the parents this is what's happening i i send out um you know an email to one parent to send to all the other parents especially if they're organizing a group to explain what are what's happening they need to understand what's going to happen with the session if they have any concerns they can ask me but also if i need to know something about the kids so i'm not putting the kids on the spot you know like i don't want to have the kid to come up and say hey listen you know these certain things uh, are scary to me. They may not want to uh, admit that. So if a parent tells me that ahead of time, like, you know, look, that six-year-old really doesn't like spiders. She's not going to tell you she doesn't like spiders. It's
2: not going to come up in conversation. Let's not put spiders in there. That Fair. kind of thing. Yeah. So. And, you know. That's not a good idea but, to talk to the parents of any new players. If they're 30, 40, <laughs> go to their, Yeah. Talk to their mom and dad about what's going on. What?
3: <laughs> <laughs> are you Please on drugs? But. I mean, you know, I think we're all basically old enough to remember what it was like. I assume we were all gaming in the late 80s, early 90s, where like the principal of my school pulled me out of class at one point in time and said, listen, we know that you're bringing satanic literature to the the school. If you bring it again, you are going to be expelled. Uh, And so if I wanted to play D&D with my friends, I had to explain to parents what the game was, they had to sit and watch us play a game. And they're like, Oh, this is fun. Same thing happened with magic cards a couple years later. You know, this, oh yeah. it's, it's not like, it's not satanic. It's essentially just logic and statistics and spending a lot of money, you know, like that kind of thing. But yeah, but we've, we've been talking with parents to justify our hobby for a really long time.
0: That actually happened with my mom. When she found out that I was, I was starting to play dungeons and dragons. She was like, I'm not comfortable with this. And I said, how about we come play at the kitchen table and you can watch us. And she, I'm not comfortable, but okay. And within like five minutes, she went, Oh, for Christ's sake, all you're doing is giggling. And she, then she got up and baked <laughs> us cookies. So like,
3: right. <laughs> well,
0: it's like in ET, right?
3: Like that's the first time I saw Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I think on the, on public. because It was like ET came out. And then like a year or so later that the, the um, Dungeons and Dragons Saturday morning cartoon showed up. Yes, but like their mom mom sitting in the kitchen watching her sons be morons you know like that kind of a thing except they built actual three-dimensional dungeons no one has time for that
0: no
1: i think it's also another thing that's important with that is to recognize that what kids are are comfortable with parents might not be comfortable with like Mm -hmm. especially like for us we live in the south in tennessee and so there's a lot there's a lot more uh, religion over a uh, religious oversight from parenting here and stuff and so maybe the kid wouldn't care if they were running you know wizards and magic in the game but <laughs> but a parent might not yeah. be comfortable with with that I mean you know there are parents that don't want their children to read Harry Potter because of the magic that's yeah. in, you know until they're a certain age and so I think I think that's a great that's that's just such great thinking
3: yeah when um i I started when I started running for kids, uh, the clerics was an interesting issue because explaining that there's multiple gods is a real tricky thing. Mm. So when you get a cleric, it's like you get your power from the, um, you know, the Lord of Light. Uh, and then you just leave it at that, you know, like that kind of a thing. Uh, and that can that can be misinterpreted in any which way. And but, it's
1: it's abstract enough that it doesn't necessarily have to be real.
3: Yeah. But then I decided that I really enjoyed uh, the abstraction. Like that, that gods in a pantheon could be vacated. Like you could, you could lose a Lord of Light, and somebody else would take the job. It's like president. Not all presidents are the same president. So, <laughs> you know, uh, I didn't give them, you know, like Zerathixis, the multifaceted. It was just like, yeah, the the god of change, the god of, you know, the god of uh, the dark god, the uh, the god of beasts, the red god, that kind of thing. You know, like uh, a certain vagary, which meant that like who they were and what they were and and what they represented was a little bit more
1: archetypical than it was specific. So then is rule two is rule two actually have a session zero with your kids?
3: Yes. So at the beginning of it, so it also depends too. Like I've only played a couple of campaigns with kids. Most of them have been one shot. So I, either sitting around a table with my God kids or playing at a birthday party. So when I do that, you know, you don't want to take up too much time, but um, my zero session, get to know the kids, explain the rules of the game, what's expected of them uh, and what they can expect from the game. You know, and behavior plays a part in that, but they're, they're all so excited to finally play that. I, I, I don't think I've ever really had any kind of rules issues except for dice. Um, I've started, uh, putting dice in a bowl in the center of the table. And when someone's turn, they reach in and grab the dice. And when they're done, they put the dice back in the bowl. Because <laughs> otherwise I've got eight eight hands uh, all building dice towers that all fall everywhere. And we're spending all of our time uh, doing that. that also, is... I have, so I have a kit, what I bring. So I have, it's a big tackle box and it's filled with everything that I'm going to need for that adventure. So the miniatures I'm going to need, the dice I'm going to need, the, the dice tower, everything. I also have fidget spinners in there and it's like, if you feel like you need a fidget spinner, grab one and and play with it because uh, a lot of, I've worked with a lot of children uh, on the spectrum and a lot of children with disabilities and um, that's a whole other issue too. And it's, it's kind of a wonderful thing. It's something that I really want to focus on in the next couple of years is learning how to be better about that. But uh, that's, that's a different
1: conversation. It's funny that you brought the thing up about the dice because that is something that we struggle with, with Dakota.
0: all the time
1: is is right about at hour three she starts building dice towers (laughs) i mean and it's like clockwork i can tell exactly how long we've been playing based on when
3: the height
0: the height of the tower (laughs)
1: yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah.
3: well what's rule three rule three uh it was my original what was another rule one at one point in time which is that fun is always first um rules are important but not as much fun as it is Uh, not as important as it is to have fun and that's that's like you're saying like if if they're having fun they're winning So, uh, yeah, that's, that's a really important thing. It's like, if, um, if you tell them that rolling a die is how they play the game and you've been doing it every single time, don't change that facet. But if they want to pull something off and the game wouldn't normally allow it, just allow it, (laughs) you know, (laughs) if, if they succeed using the same rules they've been using already go for it and and you know things like um advantage and disadvantage in D has been really kind of great because i've distilled a lot of what i i think are kind of nitpicky minutia rules into something as simple as that you know high low roles uh kids respond well to that and it, it simplifies it and, and simplifying is really important
1: all right what else have you found uh Well, keeping it simple, actually, it's like, is,
3: like, it's, is like um, it's like you're it's like you're from you know, one
1: to the next.
3: I know it's almost like I run a podcast on a regular basis. <laughs> you know how to do transitions. What? Um, what? Yeah, if I mean, if if your whole plot is get the presents back from the bunny pirates, that's all you need. Right. Like they don't need to know about the political machinations of seven generations of
1: like uh, oligarchies. They it's just well, simple. Oh, no,
0: I, I need to know Go, now. Roll
1: some dice. Look, there are, there are many, many complexities oh, stop. Stop. to the livelihoods of bunny pirates.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, not that we're splitting hairs. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, if you did,
1: you'd have to roll a d12, right? So um, <laughs> yeah. you have to do at least 10
3: damage on a single hit to split a hair. Um, and if it's a, if it's a
0: king of the bunny pirates,
1: then you've split two hairs. Um, I think that the king would be a jackalope.
0: <laughs> yeah. or is that their god oh we need to oh, now oh, we're getting yeah. back to the clerics
1: we're into a whole other level of complexity now
3: i mean we're just people you know we should not be talking around this people should know that we are in fact writing an entire 600 uh, page source book for bunny pirates so
1: I
0: mean, it's coming out it's coming out <laughs> now it is
1: all right we're kind of going down a rabbit trail let's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah
0: what number are we on
3: mm, 5 we're on five okay find a safe place to play
2: <laughs> um you know that's they, for everybody isn't it what's that it's such a big deal for everybody finding a good safe place to play yeah
3: yeah yeah i mean you know when you're dealing with kids comfort is really important um if they are in a brand new, if they're playing a new game with new people in a new setting that's going to make a lot that makes a lot of kids uncomfortable um for for being like a, a GM for hire, it's it's tricky because sometimes you can find neutral ground. Like libraries are a really good place to meet folks and, and play games if they've got a community room that lets you use. Um, I, you know, if, if people are thinking about becoming a professional game master, there's some legal aspects you have to be and just for your own safety too. You just don't go to someone's house that you've never been to before. That's that's
1: important. But um, <laughs> right, you know, like if, you, if you're going, you, oh, you knock at you the know- door and they're like. Hello, Dungeon Master. Like, <laughs> no, then I negative. know I've come to the right place.
0: Uh, Are we back on those adult games?
1: I don't know. Uh, <laughs> do they make a 69-sided die? Uh,
0: I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
3: but yeah, just, you know, it, it, this rule is essentially recognize the space to make sure. It, it kind of goes along with the zero session. Um am explaining that you're in a safe place, but just to make
1: sure that they're comfortable and you're comfortable too. Well, number six is uh number six is kind of something that we talked about when we first started. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Keeping it non-graphic. I originally had it keeping, keeping it non-violent. Um, but I just like the idea of, again, when you're dealing with kids six to 10, um, you know, the subject matter, if you're looking for guidelines, just think Saturday morning cartoons. If, if they're exposed to it on, if they, age appropriate television. I think that's, that's fair. You know, you can have some combat, but maybe people aren't going to die. You know, maybe, maybe there's some
1: kids out there who haven't explained that life eventually ends. Uh, and the spoilers are going to be for some of you, but that's yeah. the, that's the interesting thing about, about when you really look at Saturday morning cartoons, the real secret to, to the level of, of violence and stuff is it's the, the, the hesitance that you need to have comes in the repercussions of the violence, because in a, in a cartoon, you can have a safe dropped on somebody and then like the safe gets moved and they've just got Tweety birds flying around their head. So the repercussion is just, they see, you know, Tweety birds flying around their head and, and have a knot on their head. But like in real life, a safe would like splat and there would be tons of blood and it'd be gory and horrific and the person would be dead. And that's the part that you really can't run for kids
3: yeah, even though <laughs> they would probably enjoy certain aspects of that. Um, but yeah. Again, if you got parents too, like they you know, I don't I don't need if if I'm doing this for my job, I don't need to, my boss to call me into their office and go listen. You drop the safe on eight children's heads. Uh, you know, maybe. And then maybe you don't told them
0: all the terrible things that happened to them when the safe did land on them. Yeah, like. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. yeah. You hear the sound of your bones crushing mm-hmm. in your own
1: skull as it collapses into your own, your neck.
0: Mrs. Uh, yeah, like, like, you know, maybe I took <laughs> that a step
3: too far.
1: Mrs. Jones called. Uh, <laughs> it seems that uh, there was an issue with uh, the blood.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like was what what was the issue? It's like well, there was a lot of it. Yeah. Um, it you drowned it was, several of their characters in a lake of it.
0: It was on the outside, and it should have been on their
2: inside. <laughs> inside. Yeah, hold yeah. on, I need to take some notes about the. Drowning. <laughs> I, I'm watching
0: good. Jason going. Oh crap! I've been doing this, <laughs> this all is, wrong. This is
2: the best story that I've
1: ever been prepped for. <laughs> I'm, I'm running this. It's the blood usually comes out on the
3: second floor. <laughs> oh, <damn. laughs> yeah, you got to have two twin girls show up in the hallway before the blood
1: comes out of the elevator. Mm, that's, that's generally are they yeah. and they can be pcs yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but they have to be compelled to ask everyone to play with them <laughs> exactly
1: all right so we're at rule number seven take, take breaks, breaks.
3: <laughs> yeah um i mean if you're doing a birthday party uh there's there's always time for cake uh yes. you know you find a good good stopping point um but like uh cliffhanger like I can't stress this enough. Club my it works for adults, it works for teens, it works mm. for tweens, it works for kids. Um, you gotta give them a reason. Like if they don't seem interested to come back to the game, you're doing something wrong. So you gotta make sure that they're enjoying themselves. Like if if you say, Okay, we're taking a break, and they just go, No,
1: you are doing a good job. Yeah. And you still need to make them take that break though.
3: You do restroom breaks, washing hands, eating food. And sometimes um, they the just wiggles need... out, maybe go, you know, run laps around the house. That's yeah, what Sometimes, sometimes um, they
1: just need to go run for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: And you'll see those dice towers uh, won't, won't go up so, quite so quickly it, when they come back.
1: It buys you another couple hours on the dice tower. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> and you know, when you, when you come back from that break, make sure you engage them to, you know, you know, you're always wanting to engage them. That's actually something that I'm not, I didn't put, but in here, um, but Uh, they like play where you're asking them questions and that's, that's a thing that I'm learning as far as, um, a lot of new style of play It's like, you know, if you roll a die, I don't tell you what happens. I'm like, you succeed. How do you succeed? What did that look like? Well, when you come back from a break, definitely go, okay, where were we last? What happened? Why did that happen? You know, make sure that they are understanding what's, what's going on. I occasionally I'll have kids who are very quiet and they're just rolling dice when they're supposed to. And I I talked to them afterwards and I'm like, yeah, they said they got lost maybe 10 minutes into it and weren't really sure what was going on and they just didn't want to speak up because everybody else was clearly excited. You have to play to everybody. And and that's, it's not a rule that's on here, but I mean, every game master should know, you know, always create a moment for every one of your players. Each of your players, when the game is done and you're, you're, you're done with the game and you're talking about what your favorite part is, each and every one of them should be able to quote, something that their character did that only their character could have done. That was the memory that they're going to take away. And and so that's, that's kind of important.
1: I think with kids take the, the break is a really great opportunity to, to redo it, you know, re onboard everybody. Yes. So if you have that kid who got lost, like this is an opportunity to bring them back, get them caught back up. So only the first hour sucked for them. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know the, i got lost in that first hour but then we took a break and they were like this is what's up and i was like oh
3: <laughs> i mean if you're playing with six to ten year olds you shouldn't be playing more than three hours to begin with yeah. you know like it, again if you if you get a simple adventure um it should be done within three i i played it uh, one of my classic first beginner adventures and we ran through it in 45 minutes (laughs) Uh, mainly because i just yes and everything uh that they wanted to do as long as it we kind of kept on on the tracks a little bit yes and that sure does sound like it'd be a great number eight it certainly would always say you know say yes if you can if it doesn't if it isn't appropriate um because if they're asking if they can do things, that means they're engaged. Um, I mean that this really should be kind of higher up on the list. But I think when I was putting it together, I'm like, do I even need to say this? Yes, it feels like you a do. thing that everyone should already know. But no, with kids, it's really important if you want to keep their level of engagement going. Um, agree, and then you just disagree when when they start to. Uh, Go over those lines. I mean, lines and veils are not something we necessarily have to go over with the younger kids. But if you're talking about like these are the expectations of the game, we're not going to be super violent, we're not going to be mean to each other, we're not going to be doing anything that's inappropriate. Um, If they start to go into that territory, then you can kind of rein them back in. But as long as they're being appropriate, yes, hand them. You know, let them have fun. That's the story. They are participating in the game they want to be playing, and you know, you, you shouldn't you shouldn't be Cutting that just because it didn't go along with your original expectations.
1: When when I ran the gum belt, uh, I've run a couple of tests with, of the gumbelt with Dakota playing in them, and uh, and so there were times where I mean she was always making up stuff. She suddenly was Jason's sister, and they shared a farm and all this stuff, like you know. And, and everybody, it was great because you know I mean Jason just rolls with it, and he's like, "That's right, sis," <laughs> you know, and stuff. Uh, but there and there's a wonder to that. You know, truly like mm. as a as a storyteller, it's wondrous to see to see them, you know, yesing and then you yesing back and stuff. But, uh, you know, and but sometimes they do try to cross into a thing that maybe doesn't quite work in in the genre or in the universe. And and the trick there is when you say no, you, you give them a but, you know, no, yeah. you, you can't do that. But you could do something like this and provide them with some alternatives. And they'll usually sure. build off an alternative and, yeah. and make it their own.
2: I found the biggest thing that I had to do with my son and his friends was it wasn't saying yes too much. It was ever the problem. It was making sure that whatever they were wanting to do didn't steal too much of the uh, limelight from the other players. Yes. That was the biggest hard limit I had to work with was making sure they weren't trampling on each other.
3: Mm -hmm. Really should be on here. Should be like making sure everyone gets their chance to shine. Uh, You are going to get, folks who are maybe a little more comfortable with the rules or more, more, more with game or just are more outgoing who are going to hog that limelight and it's important to just go hold on a second we'll get to your action in just a moment we got to find out what so and so is doing right you know and you make sure that you are paying attention you're watching the table and, and you know it's
2: just good advice for any GM, though. yeah
1: yeah agreed
0: Mm -hmm. i mean all of this is good advice for anyone that you're gaming with
1: yeah just you have to adapt it just a little bit Mm -hmm. but yeah absolutely
3: i think if you're setting the tone in this i mean i'm thinking not only am i playing for kids but this is probably gonna be one of the first times the kids are playing you're setting a tone for all future gaming sessions for them And this is not something that you're gonna have to reiterate every single time eventually they're gonna get it and then you know maybe by session four they're gonna be you know You're not going to have to mention any of this stuff. They're going to go. This is how the game works. They learn fast. Oh yeah, they do. They're so much faster than we are. Yeah, and also we're just you know like sometimes I'll be playing like say D and D where I'll say, well, not not in the rules, and one of them will be like, well, yes, it is. I'm like, (laughs) is it? I've gone through like six versions of this game. Sometimes I don't even remember what's what's five E and what's yeah (laughs) yeah. What's uh, what's rule number nine? Rule number nine is have teachable moments. This goes well with kind of rule number one, which is like, why, why are we stressing to parents? This is such a good idea to play these things with kids. You know, like we know that role playing games are fun. Um, I don't necessarily do it so I can get better at my math skills or learn better teamwork because, you know, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty decent at it so far, but I got that way because I, I spent a lot of time playing these games. And so, you know, a lot of the, the, the reasons that I get a lot of, yeses to my pitches of do you want to play role playing games with your kids is you know stressing that there's social skills there's math skills um they help with asking and 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 saying saying no to certain things and asking for things we learn about probability uh modeling failing like a, a way to fail in a safe environment teamwork getting contributions level of success problem solving critical thinking you know there's a there's a whole lot to go in there but um you know having certain morals and and learning certain things. If you drop in one or two lessons in there, even if they don't realize that they're learning it, your parents are going to appreciate that. They're going to appreciate it later on the line. You know, um, I had a parent tell me about a year into uh, running every other week for their, every other weekend we played, she's like my kids vocabulary scores are through the roof since they started playing this, just because of the words that they're learning through through gaming, you know, the different types of, they've, they've been reading mythology books and they've been getting better at reading and they become more excited. Like these are all teachable moments and, and um, drawing attention to why things are right or wrong or why it's important to help others or, you know, just even if it's not in game, but it's sitting around the table and somebody makes a decision to help one of their buddies do a thing, even though it was their turn, you know draw attention to that fact make it make it important make them realize that they're getting something out of it not just playing a game i think that's super important
0: i'm sorry i'm having a weird moment because all i'm remembering is there's a quote from x files where one of the people says something like well i didn't play Dungeons and Dragons for 10 years and not learned something about courage. I can't remember the quote. It's driving me nuts. That sounds like
3: a lone gunman quote. It
0: it wasn't, but it was connected to them, I think. Yeah, but anyway, sorry. (laughs) No, no, I
3: mean, like, listen, (laughs) it went from being this fringe thing that people used to kind of, like, laugh at, the people who played D&D, you know, it's only the nerds played it. And Mm. now, I mean, it, it just doesn't feel like one in six people uh have played or are interested in playing now and it's like it's just come kind of this wonderful change that there's a, a language that i feel like i've been speaking my entire life and i just really have anybody to share that language with. and when you found somebody it was such an amazing experience uh and now you know i can sit down uh, with a group of friends and it'll eventually turn to role-playing and you can go like tell me one moment that you remember for the last session You get an entire night of people's stories and, you know, these great memories and these narrative tales that we've been telling together. It's just, just such, ah, I love it so much. (laughs) Well, Drew, what's rule number 10? Leave them wanting more. And it's not just cliffhangers though. That's, that is an important thing. Um, It's just that, you know, it shouldn't be the end of the story. Always make sure that there's some possibility for the next round, or hopefully make it as exciting that they're going to want more. And it's not just for, you know, your business, if you're doing it professionally, you know, like so they want to, we want to, when can we do this again? You know, like, this is, this is the thing that you want them to leave the game excited to play the next time. Or like I said earlier, to be inspired, to take up those stories. Uh, I ran for a family of five. It was the, the father had played, he had mentioned to his wife, I wish he could play Dungeons and Dragons again. Like he did when he was his brother. She found out that I was a dungeon master and wanted to play with the family. And it was, she thought it was gonna be a one time thing. We, we talked about what the expectations were. We set it up, we played for four hours and at the end of it, uh, I was packing up. I was like, that was really fun. I'm glad you guys liked it. And they just came and said, listen, the kids want to play again tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm available. You know, like that kind of a thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, you want to inspire them, like you want to make sure it's it's super having fun. And then there's a lot of ways you can do that. Again, if you follow the first nine things in this, you know, you you should be able to expect them to enjoy that situation. So, right. yeah.
1: Well, we're almost out of time, but before we go, I want to ask you what is the worst moment you've ever had running a game for kids because we i'm i have no doubt that you've got a story of a time when a kid rolled a one and started crying in the middle of your library room or something like do you, what's the what's the craziest thing that you've ever had to encounter with a kid so you know here's the
3: thing i don't know if i have a any negative experiences with the kids. I've got a negative oh. experience with the parents. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> Tell us
0: that. Tell us that.
1: That's even better.
3: Yeah. Well, the kids are cool because, you know, one of the things that we didn't really talk about is like um make failure fun is another option. You know, like if if they're if they roll a one and something bad happens, put it the ball in their courts, like, oh man, you rolled a one. All right. What's the worst thing you think could happen to your character right now? <laughs> and it's and it and it's like they said, you know, like could we make it worse? And if they get excited about it, something worse happening, like you know, like play that up. Uh, oh, oh, <laughs> right. One of the first times I ran Wild Sheep Chase, um, they they somehow managed to set the wizard's uh, office on fire, and one of the characters was unconscious and they all left and they left the character unconscious, oh. in the, the, the thing. And no one, I'm like, are you sure no one wants to go back and save them? And they're like, no, we need to get out of there. And their character burned up. Now the player who, who was playing that was a, a teen playing with the younger kids. So I don't know if the younger kids conspired to take the team down the bag <laughs> or what happened, but like, yeah, they saw a character, a character didn't make it um uh, i said that next time we played we'd i'd tell them how they actually got out of that that predicament but that didn't happen um
1: (laughs) (laughs) well is there any do you have any projects or anything that you'd like to share with our listeners uh you know before we we let you go
3: I mean i got i got stuff going on it's nothing really that the uh the listening audience can participate in um unless they like doctor who it's not role-playing but if you if you like it um who and company is a podcast i do where we interview doctor who guests
1: well no that's important um, yeah, plug yeah, your podcast
3: yeah. so i mean if you like doctor who we do a monthly podcast my buddy brent and i we've been doing it for about four years now um and i will say this like as a high point for this lockdown quarantine is a lot of actors and directors, they're finding themselves without kind of any projects they can do outside of their home. And they have been very approachable. So my, <laughs> my guest list for 2020 has been through the roof and it's, it's just getting better as the year progresses. I'm getting a couple people signing on um, right now that I just, I never in a million years thought I could get onto a podcast. So that's pretty cool. So who in company, you can find it on any um, I think it's like Doctor Who, Who and Company podcast.
1: So awesome! We'll make sure we'll, we'll we'll get a proper link. All right, all right, Drew. Well, we really thank you for for coming on, and, and uh, we really are are grateful for you to to share your knowledge about running for kids because it's kind of an exciting thing, and we have a lot of kids right now who are at home bored because school you know let mm-hmm. out early, and so their their summer vacation started three months ago, and so they're looking for new things to do, and and so we we think that that this will be some really helpful information and advice for, uh, for parents and friends and cousins and things out there who are maybe looking to introduce the hobby to, to some of their youngins. All right, let's go to game wrap. Welcome to game wrap. This is the part where we take a game and we wrap it Yo. in paper. Oh, yes. It's like Christmas time package wrapping.
0: Oh, just get a gift bag.
1: <laughs> this podcast is a gift bag. Yo. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that was a pretty good show. I like Drew.
0: <laughs> yeah. Something,
1: yeah. Something I didn't get to share was that, you know, we met Drew, uh, Carrie and I met Drew playing Kids on Bikes over Zoom. Mm-hmm. With uh, my buddy Ashley was was running it, so that was pretty pretty neat.
0: Hopefully, we'll still run it. Yeah,
1: one day maybe one he'll day. he'll run one it. One day, Ash- Ashley, if you're listening to he this, he doesn't listen. Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: All right, well, let's give out experience points. Carrie, you get one XP. Thanks for playing. Thanks. That was awesome. Thanks. Uh, I guess we'll roll on the magic item chart and see what you get. All right. You got a five-pound
0: bag of pinto oh. beans. Oh no.
1: I, I was. I felt bad about it.
0: Yeah, you should.
1: But I mean, I, I, I'm not using a game master screen, so I can't really fudge the roll. I mean, you saw what Look, I rolled. Fun should come before rules. This is using the screen again clearly i do all right jason you get one xp let's see what you rolled oh you get a package of eight hot dogs and a package of six buns that's okay i usually double up one hot dog anyway all right cool
0: this just is not fair it's
1: just a yeah it's not a good not good rolls this week folks not good rolls
0: jason we should go camping with the stuff we got.
1: Whenever you're ready. I'm All not right. going camping till you get that gallbladder <laughs> replaced.
2: <laughs> oh, trust me, that's that's very next thing on my list. <laughs> All right, good,
1: good, good. Remember you can find us on you know everywhere. What? Everywhere. We're on Stitcher uh, Apple Podcasts. We're everywhere. You or you could just go to honor dot com. You can become a patron at patreon.com dot slash honor podcast. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Um you know, we're all over. We're all places. You can email us at hosts at podcast.com, Or you can just wait and listen to this stupid show when it comes out next week. Because oh it'll gosh. still be here. Oh,
0: my god! <sighs> Way to sell us. Thanks. All
1: right. We're doing our best. <laughs> <laughs> we're doing our best.
0: Hey, that's our next t-shirt. a <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Do, laughs> Roll Podcast. Doing our, doing our best. All right. Well, until next time, uh, I'm Ryan the Curmudgeon. I'm here with Carrie the Legend and Jason the Favorite. Remember, the only way to win at a role-playing game is is to to have have fun. fun.
0: (laughs) The only way to win is to have
1: fun with my friends.